What's up, cybersecurity and cryptocurrency lovers? This is episode 65 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. Today is March the 21st, 2019, and I'm your host, Eric English. So today's podcast is going to be pretty cryptocurrency heavy. The news relating to cybersecurity over the last week or so hasn't really been anything too noteworthy. Some of the topics today are uh, in cybersecurity. There's a new way to sniff BitLocker encryption keys, so we'll talk about that a little bit. And also going to talk about LibSSH and what's going on with that. On the cryptocurrency side of things, I'm going to talk about IBM and what they're doing with some banks. Also going to talk about Facebook. Yeah, I did say cryptocurrency and Facebook. Also going to talk about Tezos blockchain. I'm, I hope I'm saying it right. T-E-Z-O-S uh, blockchain and what they're doing. I'm also going to talk about the New York Times and what they're going to start doing. So to kick things off, we'll start in cybersecurity. This first article that I found was a little bit concerning. It's regarding BitLocker encryption. If you're not familiar with BitLocker, it's the Windows version of full disk encryption. And for the folks that use it, you'll know that, yes, you can encrypt the drive, but it does not prompt you for an encryption password when the system first boots up. The idea there is that your passwords are strong enough, somebody can't get into it, and when they can't get into it, they would hopefully, you know, or they would probably try to pull the drive out and plug it into another machine and and see if they can pull some data off, but it would be encrypted at that point. So that's what a lot of companies do, uh, simply because they need to encrypt their drives, and they don't want to have to give everybody that password to decrypt everything, right? So a security researcher found a way to sniff those BitLocker encryption keys as the system is booting up. And this would essentially allow you to break the encryption and get right in. So what's going on here is the TPM chips, if you're not familiar with those, it's trusted platform modules. Uh, TPMs are typically built into the motherboard on your computer, and it's used for encryption in most cases. So the sniffing happens when the encryption keys travel from the TPM chips during boot. So the researcher did uh, publish several articles on this and the exploit code and whatnot and they're recommending to enter a password or a PIN to help mitigate this type of attack. So the only reason I'm really talking about this one, yeah, sure, it's it's a definitely a vulnerability, it's a concern, and I, I'm not really surprised at this one, but I do wonder, you know, how seriously people would take something like this on the grand scheme of things The vast majority of attacks are remote. They're coming from foreign countries. Hackers are not going to physically come on site in most cases. Obviously, it can happen, but 
most of the time the hackers are sitting in their dungeon or whatever in Russia and they're hacking away. They're not physically here. And the only way to really do anything with this BitLocker sniffing is to physically have the device. So I wonder, maybe it's just me that thinks that it's probably not as big of a threat as a lot of other things would be, simply because the vast majority of hackers are doing things remotely, right? Because if they if they show their faces and physically come on site, that is much bigger chance for them to go to jail. Whereas on the internet, they can hide themselves, they can go through proxies, and you won't be able to catch them very easily. And from what we've seen, I've seen laptops get stolen all the time, and we do have laptop tracking software on there. Uh, that's burned into the BIOS. And we see that typically the laptop goes to a pawn shop and they've wiped the disk, they've reinstalled Windows, they've set up a new user account, and they sold it to a pawn shop. So this is the kind of thing that typically happens uh, with at least our stolen laptops uh, at my company. Uh, They're typically just taking them and and pawning them after they reinstall Windows. So I guess my point is, yes, you need to have BitLocker just in case, but is it worth having a separate password or a PIN number to unlock the system during boot? I guess that's the big question there, because it's it's another inconvenience for the end user to have to remember something else and to type that in, whereas... If you're doing it without that, the system boots up normally. They can log into Windows normally. The hope there is that you don't have any default accounts with blank passwords uh, and your password policy is somewhat strong and they couldn't, you know, if somebody did get their hands on it, they wouldn't be able to easily guess somebody's password, right? So anyway, it kind of sparked my interest because I've, you know, yes, it's a vulnerability per se, but uh, really the threats are mostly remote at least in my experience. I'd be curious to get everybody else's feedback on that and see what you guys think about that as well. All right, some other cybersecurity news. There was a pretty decent-sized vulnerability with libssh. So if you use SSH at all, you might want to check and see if you're using libssh. Um, there There is a myriad of vulnerabilities that are being patched and tons of CVEs. Uh, relating to libssh, total of nine CVEs that they're patching with libssh. That's quite a bit of vulnerabilities there, nine vulnerabilities with libssh. And I've seen a lot of AWS instances using libssh. So if you use any kind of Linux environment at AWS, it might have libssh on it. You might want to jump on there and get these things updated pretty quickly. And you can install the update through your typical channels, just doing an apt-get update, an apt-get upgrade. All right, jumping over to cryptocurrency, IBM. This was pretty awesome, what IBM's doing now. They've signed up six different banks, and they're all international banks, and they've all signed letters of intent to issue stable coins, Uh, or tokens backed by their fiat currency in that country. So it'd be backed by a U.S. dollar, a euro, whatever it is. And 
IBM is calling their new platform. It's called the World Wire. And uh, basically, it's a payment network that IBM has created, and it's using the Stellar Lumens public blockchain. So that's pretty interesting to use Stellar Lumens and their public blockchain for this project. But nonetheless, this is pretty cool to see that many banks signing up for this. Uh, there's a couple in uh, Brazil, there's some in Korea, and the others are yet to be named, but Either way, this is great news for Stellar Lumens, and it's also great for the blockchain community in general. Uh, by the way, you can now purchase Stellar Lumens on Coinbase in their regular Coinbase wallet app. So they did finally publish that, so you can buy those with U.S. dollars and get those deposited into your account immediately. So IBM is basically hoping that this WorldWire platform is going to be what all of the banks will start using, uh, or at least a good market share of banks will start using. And apparently they would use Stellar Lumens to convert uh, various fiat currencies. So if you're sending euros to the United States, you would send it via Stellar Lumens, and then you could convert it back to dollars here in the United States and cash it out that way. So pretty interesting stuff there. It's cool that IBM's getting into this so heavily. I didn't think that IBM really did anything. Seems like they kind of fell off the map for a while there. They're still a massive company, but apparently they've been working on this since 2017, kind of quietly working on it. So they've been doing it for quite a while, or at least trying it for quite a while. So that's good. It's good news. Great for the cryptocurrency space, blockchain, all that stuff, and more adoption from banks. So you might want to buy up some Stellar Lumens while you can. All right, some other cryptocurrency news. Facebook. Now, I talked about Facebook and what they're trying to do, uh, or at least what they're reportedly trying to do in creating their own cryptocurrency. Well, now they've come out and they're seeking counsel to help them basically get blockchain partnerships with you know some of the top cryptocurrency and blockchain projects out there so this is an official job posting at facebook so your job would be essentially to go out to these big cryptocurrency companies or blockchain companies and try to get them to partner with facebook and recruit them to work with facebook so that's that's kind of interesting there and so i guess we'll soon be seeing a Facebook cryptocurrency. Uh, it's pretty much inevitable at this point. So the word is that Facebook will be releasing this cryptocurrency in the first half of 2019. Well, we're almost done with the first quarter, so uh, they do still have three more months till we're done with the first half of 2019, but that means their crypto is coming in the next three months or so. The big question, at least in my mind, is will people sign up for this? Will people want to use it? Will people feel like it's safe, secure, private? What data will Facebook be collecting on the transactions? There's a lot of what-ifs, at least that I think about as a security nerd. But anyway, it's coming, and I'm... I'm going to speculate that they would also use this on Instagram and they would also use it on WhatsApp. Basically the whole family of Facebook products. So get ready. Facebook crypto. All right. Some other cryptocurrency news. 
Tezos, T-E-Z-O-S Foundation. They're a pretty cool company. They're a blockchain company, and what they do is they essentially have created a blockchain for governance and voting. So this is actually pretty cool because uh, it uses the Ethereum uh, blockchain, and this is a token-based crypto, and they are using this to vote and for governance. So pretty interesting model that they've got going there. But this makes me think about all of the, you know, voting systems and whatnot that are so insecure that everybody goes to to vote. There was supposedly Russian meddling in the Donald Trump elections and all those kinds of things. So I would think that a product like this would help with security around those voting systems and make sure that it's all legit. So anyway, I thought it was pretty cool stuff. Uh, They are already using it uh, for voting uh, as far as internally at Tezos. And they've got $360 in market capitalization. My goodness gracious. They are pretty massive, grand scheme of things. But they're already using it internally at Tezos for people voting on what changes they're going to make to the blockchain and what upgrades and new features they're going to start releasing. So it is proven to work, at least by the makers of it. So anyway, I thought that was kind of cool, just a different model than most cryptocurrencies but i'm i'm more thinking about it as you know being used for election purposes and and voting that way but we'll see what happens i don't get to make those calls unfortunately all right the last cryptocurrency article i've got this is more of a blockchain article than anything but the new york times announced that they're planning to experiment with blockchain publishing So pretty interesting stuff that they're getting into that as well. And again, great for the crypto space, the blockchain space, more adoption by bigger and bigger players in the game. All in all, great for cryptocurrency. So I thought that was kind of cool. As far as Bitcoin prices, over the last few days, we went up above 4,000 again for Bitcoin. We've since come back down a little bit. We're at 39.80 today. So holding pretty steady. It's been... Hopping up over 4,000 and then right back down just a little bit into the 3,900 range and then back up above 4,000. So it's definitely making good forward progress and upward progress. So that's good. Bitcoin Cash is at $152. Ethereum's at $134. Ethereum Classic is at $4.79. Litecoin's at 58 bucks. Uh, Ripple is at $0.30, cents, and Stellar Lumens is at $0.10. Cents. Crazy to see that Stellar Lumens and Ripple are still so cheap, especially with their market share that they have. But anyway, Bitcoin is trending in the right direction, and with more and more of these companies using it, more banks using blockchain technologies, uh, it's just going to be even better and going to be more adoption. And that typically means more value in bitcoin so better better prices for all the investors and but obviously it's yet to be seen but the majority of the time this would uh, you know help with the price may not be exponential it may not get up to 20 grand but hey it is trending upward so that's good stellar lumens when the uh, ibm announcement came out it jumped up pretty quick but uh, it's since kind of fallen off i think it was up to 15 cents 
earlier this week and has since fallen back down to 10 cents. But anyway, you can get all those cryptos at Coinbase and the standard Coinbase wallet app. So go check that out there. And if you haven't been following Binance and some of their cryptos that they offer, uh, the Binance coin specifically, it is worth a ton of money and it just keeps going up apparently. So if you haven't already invested in that, might be one to check out the Binance coin. I've certainly started looking into it. It does seem like it's on a very steady rise. And what's also great is that the Binance coin does not appear to be affected by the ups and downs of Bitcoin. The vast majority of all other cryptos ebb and flow with Bitcoin prices. So if Bitcoin goes down, everything goes down. But with this Binance coin, that's not happening. So that's good. And I hope we get more of that. But nonetheless, something to check into might be worth investing in. All right, folks, that's all I got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at eenglish34 on Twitter at eenglish34. Hit me up on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that I talk about here on this show. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. and We'll talk again soon.